not just a belief of mine, it's a real knowing. Knowing that we can take what we love to do, whether it's baking, sewing, painting, whatever lights you up, then we can take that skill and make a great income doing exactly what we love to do. As author of What Should I Be When I Grow Up Now That I'm 40, 50, 60, Discovering Your Core and also Your Gift is Your Niche, it has been my life's work to help others, just like you and me, to discover passions, your purpose, powerful messages that you only you have so they can make the difference they were put here to make. Every week I will have deep, rich conversations with real life people that believe just like me. And here's what they believe. When you do what you love in a career, you will never work another day in your life. And this is the way I like to say it. When passion, purpose, and profit collide, that is when you get paid for being you. I'm Patricia Noldrain. Welcome to the podcast, When Passion Meets Profit. Hello everyone, it's Patricia Noel Drain and welcome to this podcast. I am so excited to have this wonderful man with me today. You know, I don't interview a lot of men. I, it's mostly all female solopreneurs, but this time I'm interviewing Bill, one of my favorite people right out of Park City, Idaho. And Bill, he came to me from my email list and that just shows you the power of an email list because then you get this golden nugget called Bill, you know, and Bill, would you pronounce your last name? Sure, it's Humbert. Okay, it doesn't have an M in it, does it? It ha- It's H-U-M-B-E-R-T. So it's Humbert. Humbert. Okay, good. I, I thought it was, but then I thought, well, I heard you just now say Hubbert, and then I, that's what I thought, but it's Humbert. But when Bill connected, I thought, now look at this wonderful man that I would never have even thought to email and say, Bill, can I interview you? And yet, wait till you hear this interview, because he's just a delightful person. As you all know, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, I don't introduce people formally at the end, at the beginning, I mean, because I want them to talk about themselves. I just like them to unfold their personality. And we have a conversation about a few of the questions that some of them know ahead of time. I'd like to have them especially know this first question because it's a tough one. There it is. Hey, Bill. Tell us about what you were like as a little boy, especially if you can share a story. I was pretty adventuresome as a little boy. And at the same time, I don't know what happened. I, well, actually, I know the moment it happened. I was able at age seven to ride my bicycle to the local, uh, you know, it was a little tiny shopping center and it had like a, a pharmacy in it. And the pharmacy had a penny candy area. And so we're talking back in the 1950s. And I came home with 25 cents worth of penny candies. And both of my pockets were full. And so I started emptying my pockets out. And my sisters were five and four. And they said, where'd you get the candy? And I said, I bought it at the penny candy store. (gasps) Would you buy candy for us? And I said, sure. You have to give me 25 cents so I can give you your candy. And then you have to give me 25 cents for a traveling charge. (laughs) 
Now I have no clue where I got those words traveling charge. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and that kept me in candy all summer long. <laughs> and then the next year I, I learned two valuable uh, lessons. One was what the market will bear. And the other was government interference. And so I decided I would raise my traveling charge to a dollar. And with that, my sisters went to my mom and told her what was going on. And then she came to me and she said, you can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and so she ended up saying, tell you what, I'll give you a dollar per week if you mow the lawn. And I did that. And then I thought, well, you know, up and down the street, there's a lot of lawns that need cut. And so I started going up and down the street with my parents' lawnmower and their gas and started getting $5 for each lawn. And, you know, there you go. Well, that is a fabulous story because I, I really know now, after working with as many people as I have, you can't make somebody be an entrepreneur. They either are that or they aren't. And you have been one your entire life because people don't think like that if they aren't an entrepreneur. So my question to you is, well, first of all, your sisters just kept paying you, right, for the can? I mean, anything they had to do, except your mother just interfered, right? Yeah, my sisters ended up getting their candy for whatever it cost, but that's okay. <laughs> I was getting the extra money, so I didn't care. <laughs> so I have to ask you, because the reason I ask that question of people, including myself, there's a common thread, and it goes all the way through us, all the way back to when we're really little people, and that common thread is this is who we are. So in business today and in life today, is that pretty much who you are, Bill? Are you somebody that fair is fair and let's, let's go ahead and charge what the market would bear? Are you that person? Not necessarily. You know, when I coach people, if, if I feel that they're in a position where they cannot afford my coaching, I'll either give them a discount or I'll coach them for free. Because yeah. I think them getting a new job is more important than the little bit of money that I would make from them. Yeah, that's cool. my my recruiting clients. You know, I kind of have a variable rate for them too, depending on the company and what they want me to do. But overall, I'm pretty happy with what I make. So that's that's all that matters, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, also as a child, though, I, I tell me this. Are you somebody that you don't want to have somebody take advantage of you? I never want anybody to take advantage mm -hmm. of me. I'm a DC kid originally, so yeah. I've got some of that East Coast directness. Yeah. Which sometimes doesn't play well in places like the Midwest. Yeah. So that's where the common thread comes in for you. It's not the money part of it. It's the, I don't, my, your sisters, in your mind at seven, they were taking advantage of you. So if you're going to take advantage of me getting this candy, you're going to have to pay. And here's what my traveling fee is. <laughs> Which I think I don't is think cool. I looked at it that way, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we really do. We carry that on with us. And, and it's just what I call we go back to the core of who we really are. And you're just a really good person, but you definitely did not want them to take advantage of you. And, and they didn't. <laughs> and yeah. same, same with the lawns that you were mowing. It really probably had nothing to do with the money because you're that guy that will do it for free anyway if, if these people need you. 
but it has to do with if somebody, you did it for free and they took advantage of you. Now they started calling you at night on your cell. I bet you wouldn't be happy with that. No. Right. I, you know, I had, I had a Washington Post paper route and I had a customer who didn't pay me for two months. Uh-huh. And I went and knocked on his door. I could tell somebody was in the apartment, right? And I knocked on his door until he very angrily answered the door. Uh-huh. And I said to him, I said, hey, you owe me for two months. He was supposed to pay directly to the post and he hadn't. And Mm -hmm. so that money comes out of my money. And Mm -hmm. he ended up being so angry with me, probably because I just kept pounding on the door until he answered Mm -hmm. that he chased me down the hall. (laughs) And and so fortunately in my building, I went to an all-male high school. I went to DeMatha High School in Maryland and, and two of my teachers lived in that building. And so I picked the stronger of the two and went down to the, from the fourth floor down to the second floor. And fortunately the teacher there was home and I knocked on the door like real hard because <laughs> I could hear the guy's steps coming down the steps and Joe answered the door and I told him what was going on. And, and Joe is a, a big guy. He was a football coach and the guy opens the stairway door and, and Joe looks at him. He says, you got a problem with Bill? <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Well, that to me really tells who you are. I mean, it really does. You're going to stick up for yourself. You're going to do what's right. And they're going to do what's right, too. That story, tell that not only that story, but the seven-year-old story really tells everything about Bill Humbert. So thank you for that. Now, Bill, what, first of all, is your passion? Because, you know, I love the the title of this is, is the science of getting hired over 50. And I think that's such an interesting topic that we're going to talk about today. But what is your passion, Bill? You know, Patricia, it's been interesting over my years because as a recruiter, what I've heard is, wow, you've been a recruiter since 1981. Why are you just a recruiter? Mm. And I, my response is, you know, Think about this. Where else can I make the impacts in company performance that I can make by identifying the right person for them who can come into their company and bloom and just take them in places they never, ever expected? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, where else can I take some person who's working at another company And, you know, they're under a manager that's got them under their thumb or just a poor manager to begin with, and they're not going anywhere. And I can introduce them to my client where they can blossom and enjoy life. And so the two sides of my business are both connected that way. Mm -hmm. And that's my passion. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, the one thing, Bill, that I, I had said to me, because I owned an executive recruiting firm in Phoenix for years, and I remember somebody saying to me, so Patricia, is this, is this true? You're a headhunter then. And I said, well, if, that, if that's the language I guess you want to use, but I give opportunities to people, that's all. And they can refuse the opportunity or accept it. And if that's what a headhunter in, is, then that's what I am. He said, you should be ashamed of yourself. Isn't that something? His take on that was not opportunity for the person that's under a manager, that's not happily living ever after, and you're giving them an opportunity. Have you ever been called a headhunter? Oh, I have, but you know what? It doesn't bother me. 
<laughs> no, because it is what it is. And you're right. giving somebody this wonderful chance, you know, yeah. at a new life. So tell us how and, and when all this happened for you. Because I remember the first time I started also, and I, I was just in awe of the fact that I was helping so many people make a living and get a brand new opportunity for them and their families. So tell me about you. So, so I was selling fertilizer to farmers in North Central Maryland. And there were dairy farmers. And one of my friends said one day, have you ever thought about recruiting? And I said, no, why? And they said, because you'll make a lot more money. <laughs> I went, mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and my first year recruiting was 1981. Think about that year. We were in a terrible recession, one that made 2008 pale because we also had 15 and 18% um, inflation at the oh, same yeah, time. Yeah. And so there were very few companies paying fees. And my first client that year was MCI Telecommunications. And I introduced a candidate to them and my half of the fee was $3,625. And that's all I made that first year. Mm -hmm. But what it taught me was, you know what? You can do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, my wife was a nurse, so we had steady income coming in from that. And then over the years, my income grew and grew and grew. So what, what it all did, though, it all started with that first successful introduction and, and then getting paid that fee. I love hearing people's careers and the development of how they did what they did. And, you know, today, now you're just a very unusual person to stay in the same profession for that long. So it has to be a passion of yours because most people, you know, you hear it being said, if you stay in a, in a job or a career for longer than three years, you're a dinosaur and, yeah. and you're not a dinosaur. You're this wonderful epitome of what it's like to live your life with passion and purpose. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah, it's true. Now, as far as profitable, because I, I know this business is very profitable and to make 3,625 in 1981 was a, was probably really good. Actually, the fact that you only made one I, to me, once you get, once, once something is proven that you can do something, you never forget that. And so you knew now you can connect a candidate to a company or vice versa and make a lot of money. So tell tell everybody when you really started noticing a profit in your business. Well, you know, the nice thing, as you know, about the recruiting business is that it can be profitable from day one. Yes. Because, yeah, and, the you know, I was working for a firm, so I was splitting my money in half with them. So they provided all, all the tools that I needed and all I needed to do is go out and do the recruiting and sourcing and making the, building the relationships with the client companies. So for me, it's, it's a matter of finding, you know, somebody wants to be an entrepreneur and go out and find something that will really benefit them and then their clients. The passion has to be there to make that happen. Number yes. one. And number two, then they have to have the will to succeed. 
And once you have that will to succeed, then you will do whatever it takes to succeed. I'm really loving this conversation, aren't you? But I want to talk to those of you who want to go deeper. We all attended school at some time. Maybe you're attending school right now. But inside those schools are teachers that have the responsibility to teach certain courses. But what they don't teach is really the most important thing in life, self-discovery. You know the self-discovery that would help us know what we are supposed to do in a career. And also that self-discovery on how we're supposed to make an income to really take care of our families. Well, I decided a long time ago, it's time for me to share what I know so I can help somebody with a step-by-step -step process that anybody can follow. I created a digital downloadable course called Your Gift is Your Niche because people were asking me all the time, Patricia, what's my niche? And I'd always say, your gift is your niche. So now I created a course called yourgiftisyourniche.com and I spell niche with an N-I-C-H-E and in this very affordable, life-changing course, I walk you through very simple exercises. They'll not only help you find your unique gifts, but they'll also show you how to monetize your talents and skills. You know, the ones you came into this world with. I'm so glad I created something that I, I, don't, even, I don't think, I know it's going to be able to help you in your self-discovery journey because it's a simple six-hour course with action sheets that support everything that I'm saying in the course. And you also get my wonderful book, What Should I Be When I Grow Up Now That I'm 40, 50, 60. That's going to help you also with different exercises in that book. I'm also glad I made it into an, what I call an SPL course. That's a self-paced learning because we all learn in different ways and at different times. I cannot wait for you to get to know the most important person in your life that's you. So go to yourgiftisyourniche.com, N-I-C-H-E, and if this page speaks to you, then seriously, invest in you. It's time to claim your destiny. Now let's get back to the conversation. Yeah, you know, I, I, I didn't lose my passion for what it was I did. I was just ready to do new things in my life. And so that's the reason I kind of shifted over and pivoted in my career to doing podcasts and writing books and so on. And I know you've written books. And so tell us about your book writing. And see, I think that's another thing, Bill, about you that makes you so special is not only staying in the same position and really having a passion about it, but then you just went to, to another place when you started writing books about it. So how many have you written so far? Patricia, two of them are published and the third is in the process of being published. And, and what are the names? The first one was Recruiter Guy's Guide to Finding a Job. Okay. The second one was Employee 5.0, Secrets of a Successful Job Search in the New World Order. Mm. And in that one, I really was stressing take charge of your career. Mm. Too many people treat their careers like jellyfish floating in the currents of their companies, and then all of a sudden they get laid off. Yeah. And so that one's talking to them about how to find a new job, but more importantly, how to take charge of their career. Mm -hmm. And then my third one is the one that's coming out hopefully in August, and that is Expect Success, The Science of the Over 50 Career Search. I just think that is the most needed book 
forever at this time. Well, ever, anytime, but especially with the boomers all just coming, all 78 million coming at the same time. And they are getting concerned and nervous because there are many of them that are making job changes, especially now after the pandemic. So what, what possessed you to do that, Bill? Well, I, you know, I do my career counseling and in that career counseling, I'm finding these people that are just, they're just distraught. They don't yes, yes. think they're going to be able to ever find another job, that nobody's going to be listening to them or help them or, you know, any part of that. And so for me, what I, I just felt like there was such a need in today's marketplace to be able to help them understand what it would take for them to find a job and also give them the hope that they would be able to. And Patricia, if you want, it'll take me a second to call it up, but I can I can read the first paragraph of my introduction. I'd love that. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'll just let's... entertain people in the meantime, because here's the thing. The fact that you're, you give somebody hope, that's all they want. You know, when people go through really terrible times, they only want you to be giving them hope that things will change. So I love that. And I love, Bill, that you're saying you're doing career counseling because I do have to say that there are many executive recruiters that shy away from that and you're natural people to do that. And they shy away from it because I think they're, they think, well, is there really going to be bigger money in this? No, probably not as big a money as a, an, an executive recruiter would make. But there is such a, such a, oh, a result. No, that's not the word I want to use. I don't it's know. so exciting for them, yes. for me, when they find that job yes. that they were just looking for. Yes. And so here's, here's my introduction. Okay. Once upon a time, there was a group of brilliant 20-something and 30-something-year-olds, some of whom worked at companies with the names of Microsoft, Oracle, Apple, and LinkedIn. Many of those managers knew that 50-year-old workers were out of touch with their generation and their technology. Therefore, they did not hire them. Just as in fairy tales where princesses spin and time flies by, these 20-something and 30-somethings twirled in the January 1 to December 31 fiscal work world. Sadly, they awoke one day at age 50 with some new wrinkles. Then their company was acquired and they were laid off. They found new companies on Indeed where they applied with new 20-something and 30-somethings who felt 50-somethings were suddenly out of touch. While they had valuable experience, they were not hired. Their new world was not the same as the one they just left, yet it was the same. Wow. You are an author. You are not fooling around here with this. I don't write like that. That's beautiful, Bill. I, I write with the, here's how to go get your job, learn how to interview. You know, I'm a teacher, but you're a writer. And that's that was really beautifully said. And it was so true what you said. I mean, you know, that you finally arrive at 50, but I love that that pun that you made about wrinkles with a new wrinkle. <laughs> that was great. I love that. But it is, it's so sad because when I talk to people 50 plus, they really don't think that there's any hope for them. And there's a ton of hope for them. And they don't have to go back to IT school to have, to make sure that there's the hope. You're right. Mm -hmm. I, 
You know, even back in the 80s, one of the programmer analysts that I recruited for, for the Washington Post was a Bengal tiger in World War II for Pakistan. And so he was 63, 64 when I introduced him to the Washington Post. And to their credit, they hired him. And, you know, he, he stayed there for, I think, two years before he went back to Pakistan and retired. But, you know, people throughout the time that I've been recruiting and a lot of the ones that I recruited were in their 50s and 60s. And so I, I just want to give people the hope and then also the direction how to find those jobs. Yes, yeah. Well, there's such wisdom in all of us that are over 50. And, and you know, we can't let people make us think that we don't know anything because we know so much about life in general. So, but if you were going to direct somebody, Bill, what, what's the very first thing you would say to this person that's over 50 and discouraged and wanting to just, please tell me what to do first? What would it be? You know, the first thing, my first step with everybody, including in my book, is to take stock where you are and then make a list of everything that you do well, both professionally and personally. And in that list, include everything. I keep a well-organized desk drawer, for instance. Mm -hmm. and, and make it a list of skills, experience that you're proud of, and accomplishments. And then on the personal list, everybody on this uh, podcast is lucky except for one or two listeners because my personal list is I make the best spaghetti in Park City, Utah. <laughs> and I know that's true because my wife of 48 years tells me it's true. <laughs> of course, it might have something to do with she wants me to make spaghetti. I'm, I'm not positive. But, but anyway, it's on my list, so it can't be on anybody else's list who live in Park City. Um so, you know, even go to that level, though, where you have fun. And then the next step is to wash back through both of those lists and to put an asterisk next to the things that you do well that you enjoy doing. And that's very important. So for me, I'm very, I've been very successful those few times that I had to deal with employee relations issues inside of companies. But I hated that because I just it makes me feel yucky. And I'd rather be out recruiting or coaching than doing employee relations. Mm -hmm. So you won't find that on my website anywhere. Um, well, everybody has those kinds of jobs where they're good at it, but I don't want to do right. that the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And so then the next step is to go through and hit just the items that you do well, that you're excited doing. And then tell the story, create a story that demonstrates that skill or that experience or that attribute. And what that does is it calls all of that information, it, it dredges it up to the top of their mind. But more importantly, what it does is it reinforces in their mind how special they really are. That's great. You know, it's it's funny. It, this dredged up a story for me also because even though we might, we might enjoy something and we star it and then we think, okay, this is really something. I'll, I'll just tell you a quick sidebar. 
I had a client one time and she loved to organize. I mean, this was the most enjoyable thing she did. And so we started a, a company called Organize for Success. Well, not we, she did. And so all of a sudden she puts out her flyers and everything and her business cards and she starts organizing people's closets and office home offices and then offices in the brick and mortar and she was into it about six months and she called and she said patricia i just hate this and i said no kidding this is not your your core excitement and that you enjoy doing and she said i enjoy doing it but i discovered it was for me I don't discover, I did, don't enjoy doing it for other people and taking money for it. I realized maybe three months in that, oh no, I made a big mistake. And then we shifted her around and did something completely different. It's the same with fishermen. You know, they think, well, I'll take somebody else fishing, but that's their hobby and they enjoy it, but that's their hobby. So don't ruin your hobby. Have you run into that bill with other people? You know, occasionally I have, and and it's very valid what you were saying. Yeah. And, you know, it's sometimes it just, they have to try it. You know, it's kind of like the entrepreneur, right? That's right. That's right. They have to try it, find out if it works or if it's their passion or if it's, like, this is too much like a job. I don't want to do a job. That's right. So, yeah. And you're absolutely right. If we don't try those things, like this girl with the organized thing, she was making so much money, seriously, in six months. She was busy. all. There wasn't a moment that she wasn't busy, hating every minute of it. And so it's so funny how we finally then came back and worked further with her, dug deeper. And she's a photographer today, making a fortune in South America or someplace, because that was her real core exciting thing. And she had that on her list, but she decided to mark you know, the organization thing, because she thought she could make more money doing that. It just seemed like she would more than photography. But I, I'm going to be using that as one of your golden nuggets, because that is really a beautiful statement of where somebody can get started, whether they're over 50 or over 20, Bill, is what you just said. Your book is going to be such a wonderful thing that people can get the hope that they need. And so I, I'm wondering when is, you said it's coming out in August. So how could we get a whole, get in touch with you to get that book? As soon as I know when it's available, my website is recruiterguide.com. Okay. And I will put it up under the new books in recruiterguide.com. And the first week I'm actually going to have it on Kindle for 99 cents, oh, cool. uh, a copy on Kindle. So so I'm going to do that that first week, maybe two weeks, and that way we can get as many people the opportunity to read it without having to spend a little bit more money for it. So that I'm really excited about, and and I think that, you know, the goal is to help more people. That's really the goal. Right? Yes, yeah. Most times in books, you don't make any money. You just build some credibility where I just, part of my passion is to help them find my book and my book is written not in chapters but in steps because the job search and the recruiting process both mirror the sales process perfectly and mm -hmm. unfortunately companies aren't aware of that on the recruiting side and candidates aren't aware of it on the uh, the candidate side so it's 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 a wonder sometimes that good matches are ever made but so for me, it's really important that they follow the process. 
Okay. And, you know, I'm thinking about somebody listening to you right now, and, and they really want to find their passion and their purpose and make their profit with what they do. And so I'm wondering what advice you'd give somebody like that. Well, that's kind of a tough question because I really need to know more about that person. But that's what I would do is I would find out about that person. And, okay. You know, I would go through those lists that they made. And I'm really good at, and maybe it's because I'm left-handed, but I, I'm really good <laughs> at taking things from different corners and all of a sudden going, oh, what an idea, and putting them all together. And people go, where'd you get that? I don't know. It's just my nature, I guess. I don't know. But being left-handed helps because if you try to open a can, a right hand, a can with a right-handed can opener, it shows how creative us southpaws have to be. <laughs> God, you killed me. So I want to go back to that dot com because I know there's somebody on here listening, and I think Bill, you should come back on here when that book comes out because I think that's really one of the most invaluable books that I've heard about today, and only because I'm dealing with those people also. And I want them to follow along with the system that you put in there because, and the direction, because I love the way you said it today when I said, what's the first thing they could do? And I'm going to be repeating that shortly, but here's the, I want you to hear the website again. I'm going to spell it. It's recruiter, R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R guy, right? G-U-Y.com. Correct. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. Because sometimes you hear guide, G-U-I-D-E or something. Right. And so I just want to make sure they know that. And so, Bill, I'm going to give you now my golden nuggets that I got out of your interview today. Because not only are you a little stand-up comedian, but you're just this wonderful, wise person. So here you go. Number one, charge what the market will bear. <laughs> That's my favorite seven-year-old story <laughs> ever. <laughs> Number two. Don't take advantage of Bill because he will chase you down. <laughs> I like that one too. <laughs> Number three, if you can work more than 10 years at a place, then at that same job, then you are living your passion. And, be, and if you're happy doing that, and that's you, Bill. So are you telling me you've been 40 years doing this? Yeah, 40 years as a recruiter, isn't that? Oh my gosh. It's just it's just remarkable. It's just wonderful. So you I'm just happy to talk to somebody that's really lived their passion for 40 years. Number four, when you give someone hope, you give new meaning to their life. Number five, take charge of your career. And I'm glad you said that because so many people think they have no control over that. And they have all the control. Number six. Look for the possibilities in your own career right now, other things you could be doing. Like you, Bill, I mean, you were a recruiter and now you're counseling people also. That's really a whole other thing. Number seven. Now, here's the one I love. I said, what direction would you, would you tell these people to go? And he gave four really good things. He said, take stock at where you are. Make a list of what you do well and your accomplishments that you have done, both in life and in business. Then put a star or mark something, what you really enjoy doing out of that list, and then create a story around that. That's the only thing I want to come back to in just a minute is the story bit. Number eight, you can't have spaghetti on your list. <laughs> Do you think that one's good? <laughs> That's a good one. Yep. Uh, number nine, you have to try things to know if they really fit for you, period. And number 10, this is the last thing that you said that was brilliant, of course, Left-handed people are gifted. There you go. Yeah, perfect. 
Yeah. So let's go back just for a second, because I, I want to clear this up for me and for maybe anybody else that's listening. You said, you know, take stock of where you are. Got it. List everything. Got it. Put a star by what you enjoy. Got it. And but I didn't understand the create a story. And I just wanted to come back to that. So here's the way that I and my books suggest that people create a story. First of all, briefly talk about what was the challenge. I call it the four W's. What was the challenge? Second, what was your analysis and then your action? Mm -hmm. Third is what was the result? And fourth is what did I learn? Now, let's, you always should keep a couple of failures on that back porch just in case you have to use it. And if you have a really good relationship with the person interviewing you, you know, some, there's some laughing stuff going along, and use the one where what you learned was, well, what I learned was never to do that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we all have had that experience, oh, right? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. I get it now. I get it exactly. And that, that really did help me a lot. I, what's the challenge? What's the anal analysis and the action you're going to take? What's the result? And what, do, what did you learn? And so that's that was great, Bill. I really appreciate it. And I so appreciate your wisdom and your knowledge and your 40 years experience. You're really a stick to it in the sky because... There's not a lot of people that have been married as long as you either. I have, but but we're rare people. In fact, yeah. you're in, you're in the seven percent. Well, no, that that's fifty and over. It's seven percent of the people will make it to age fifty. They'll either divorce or die. You know, so you're really in a very rare position moving forward. And it's just so fun to talk to somebody, Bill, like you that that has lived his whole life with passion, and he's still doing it, and he's still writing books and things. So would you come back when your book is out? Absolutely. Absolutely. Good. I Good. love doing this because, you know, again, it's my opportunity to speak with your audience and with you. And, you know, maybe we can make some positive, measurable impacts in I people's know. lives. We can make a difference. Thank you so much, Bill. So until we meet again, everybody, it's Patricia Noel-Drain. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with me today. Hey, if you got something out of this, maybe you'd consider sharing it with someone else that you care about. I want to leave you with a secret to success in life and business. Aha, here it is. If you can't share a solution to a problem someone is having, that is true success. Now, maybe these examples might help you. I discovered two major problems that I help solve. I really didn't realize how major they were until I realized no one is teaching this stuff. The first one, of course, goes right back to this podcast. What's my calling? What's my purpose? And that's why I created the digital downloadable course, yourgiftisyourniche.com. I already mentioned it er earlier in the episode. But finally, I came up with another problem that I can solve, and it's how to live a happy, long-lived, lasting marriage. Now, I created a book called The Chosen Few, and I share a hundred tips that myself and others, other long-lived couples, I might say, put together so that you can have a conversation, especially if you're a committed couple. 
Now, what is the problem you solve? Think about it. Because you might really have something to share with somebody that will change their life forever. We also have a Facebook group. It's free. I'd like you to come on to it because it goes beyond the podcast. It's called When Passion Meets Profit. Until we meet again, it's Patricia Noel Drain.